Shana Tova, everybody. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. This is pretty much our last show for 5779 as we roll into 5780. I am so excited for a new year to begin and good, fun things to happen. You are listening to Table for Two and on the Nachum Siegel Network. Wait, I'm. Um, now, I turn my notes over, ZK. <laughs> I'm almost up again. Okay, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Naomi Nachman. I'm about all the food all the time. I love cooking. I love shopping for food. I love eating at restaurants. I love drinking great wines. I'm a kosher personal chef, and I have two cookbooks. I run kosher chop competitions, and I travel the world getting to eat delicious food. But I want to hear from you too. So email me, Naomi at NachumSiegel.com, if you've had a great food adventure or you've cooked something delicious, I like to hear about it too. So thank you so much for joining me on an incredible hour. We, I was just in Toronto. I did a beautiful event. I just want to thank Yachad and Zavora Mama for a beautiful event that we did to raise awareness and funds for Yachad Toronto. Um, and of course, wherever I go, I like to have a good, oh, you've got the I like to have a good time and meet people and I just had such a great few days and the weather was magnificent. Um, I hung out with my Foodie Toronto crew. We had Daniela Silva and we had Amy Stopnicki and Rifki Rabinowitz. Um, unfortunately, Esty Caffra was out of town, but I'm still giving her a big shout out. Um, Abby Radcliffe, even non-foodie friends, Spice and Spirit. Uh, spice, Spice and Spirit, that's the food. Uh, sugar and Spice Children's Clothing. Uh, Frady joined us. I did some great shopping if you're in Toronto. Even though it's a food show, I just want to give a shout out to her clothing because it is named uh, Sugar and Spice. Um, so just the, the the people there are so warm and wonderful. And of course, I met Toby Burkell from Safona Winery. He gave us a wine tour and I have him right now on the phone from Toronto. Hello, Toby. Hello, Naomi. Okay, here we go. Hi. All right. We, Hi. Ha- we had a good time there in Toronto. I'm so glad. It was a pleasure to have you. What a beautiful city, hey? A A? Do you say that in Toronto? I know they say in Montreal. We're not we're not we're not big A sayers. I think that's a, a bit of a uh, Montreal. Summer, but yeah, Mo- it's, it's definitely a Montreal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. You have some great restaurants. We went to Pantry and Shelley's and Umami, and then of course we went out to the winery. What a beautiful day we had! Hey. It was stunning. We had blue skies and great wine, and and we I went with I forgot to give Esther Klein a shout out, um, but Esther yeah, Klein, Esther Klein, um, otherwise known as Hardcore Snacky, uh, she was actually the driver. She drove me, Amy, and Devora Mama um, out to the winery, and um, we want to hear. I want we I got to hear your story, but I want to hear your story um, and share it with all my listeners because your wine is one of my favorite wines. I'm um, gonna have to get you in the studio uh, with Gabriel Geller to do a show with me. Anytime. Okay, so let's let's take it back. How did you end up starting a winery? Um, so uh, feel free to uh, you know cut me off at any point. <laughs> I know it's a bit of a long story, but no, it's um, great story. I, I've always I've always loved wine. Uh, I grew up um, you know working on my wine palate and going to structure tastings. And whenever a winery owner from overseas or from the U.S. came up to Toronto to hold structure tastings or vertical tastings, horizontal tastings, tastings with food. I, I would always be there. I collected, I created a cellar very slowly. Um, what does that mean? What does that even that, mean? Can you just explain to that what that means? Which part? To, to our listeners, what a stellar oh. taster is or what you just uh, uh, structure ta- Well, structure yeah. tasting is basically the, the uh, sommelier deciding what for, for you to try. Um, a vertical tasting uh, would be a tasting of different wines from the same year. Uh, to be able to compare them. And then a horizontal taste. Oh, I'm sorry, that's a horizontal tasting. A vertical tasting is a tasting of different flights of wine, the same wine from different years, so you can be able to compare them. Okay, that was really good to know because I had no idea, and I'm, you know, it's good for the listeners to learn too. I'm sure. There's, lo- there's lots of fancy wine terms that, uh, that I'm happy to explain, and some of them that mean nothing, people just showing off, and some of them that actually mean something. <laughs> I love uh, it. Yeah, so... Um, when my wife and I decided uh, to kusher our house, we're Baltuba, uh, and we were in the process of kushering our house, I had to make a decision of how to manage my relatively large collection of not kosher wine. Um, so uh, with a recommendation from a family friend who went through a similar process, he said that we should drink our wines 
and replace it with kosher wines, but not, you know, basically pour what we had down the toilet. So I did that. Uh, we had a nice large party, um, drank some very good wines, and realized afterwards that I, I just couldn't jump the hurdle with the fact that the wines were not kosher. And I decided right there and then to sell my wine collection. Um, I did so with the help of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra and our local Rav and uh, find out some of the things I could and couldn't do with it. Anyway, the Toronto Symphony Orchestra is very grateful. Uh, we have a great relationship still to this day because of it. Uh, funny story is that they continue to send me um, tickets for whatever opening night um, symphonies in town. Sadly, it's always on a Friday night. Oh, man. I haven't been since we sold the collection. Um, but just fast-forwarding to the wine side, um, I ended up having uh, a very nice uh, meal with a friend of mine at the time, Rabbi Avram Gisselson, and we were drinking some wonderful, I don't remember if it was California or Israeli wine, and I decided to ask him if there's any kosher Ontario wineries, because the Ontario wine region is fantastic. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful um, spot in southern Ontario, southern, southwestern Ontario, same uh, latitude as Burgundy, create some amazing wine. And, and I really wanted to ensure to support whoever our winemakers and Meshkichim were that were driving all the way out there on a regular basis. So next day I realized, found out that there are none, and uh, Rabbi Gelsus and I decided to basically start a winery, me with I my palate and, uh, you know, kind of let's say business acumen as it, as it is, and him from the winemaking side and his, uh, and his rabbinical ordination, knowing how to um, manage winemaking from a customer's side. And, uh, and today we're about uh, five years later as we stand here today. It's amazing, amazing. What, how many kinds of wines do you produce? I think this year uh, we're going to end up with eight wines, a mixture of uh, ice wines, white table wines, red table wines, both Mavushal and non-Mavushal. Amazing. Wow. I saw the Mavushalizer. Can you tell everyone what that is? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they can get... are, are It's a nickname. one of our single largest uh, capital outlays to date. Yeah, we bought a uh, very high-end Mavushalizer, as, as we like to call the winery, um, to flash pasteurize the wine, um, which allows it to be used uh, at uh, public events and restaurants. And what this machine does is it basically brings the wine up to the halakhic temperature and back down to room temperature uh, in less than a second. So the goal is to not overly afflict the wine so that you get a similar profile as you would with non-mavushal wine. Right, so you're turning uh, non-mavushal wine into mavushal wine so it can be yeah, on I'm, the more, like, because you can't have it at a restaurant, you, right? I'm sure COR also, OU, I know, holds of that. Uh, you cannot have non-Mavusha wines at a restaurant. Can at I a restaurant or at a simcha or really for, for, a, for Just, a simplistic term, not at a public event. Let's right. Say. You can have it in your own home, but, you know, because you you're worried about... You can have it in your own home, absolutely. Okay. Um, now let's talk about the ice wine because I've had it before. I was fascinated and I love the taste. It was amazing. It's right my f flavor profile, but I l absolutely loved the whole story of the ice wine. Okay, yeah, it's, it's when you pick very it. special. Yeah, it's so very cool. unique to uh, the Niagara Peninsula. There's only two places in the world really where you can legally call it ice wine. Okay, which is Alsace and uh, Niagara. Alsace, Alsace in is, France. Alsace in France. The, so the, re the the reason for that is. You need to have a, a very good wine-growing region that also dips below between the minus 7 and minus 15 Celsius range for weeks at a time, which is a, which is a tough combination. Because usually, these, you know, California, southern France, Italy, they have these beautiful wine-growing regions, obviously, but they don't get cold enough on the other side of that coin to create ice wine. So for it to be called legally ice wine, which is the one word, I-C-E-W-I-N-E, -E. it needs to be, it needs to be um, in one of those two regions. So there are, other, there are other countries producing late harvest wines, producing dessert wines. They may be called ice wines in two separate words, I-C-E space W-I-N-E, or they could be called ice-D-E-D -E wine, 
Okay. But it's a completely different profile, completely different quality. Yeah. So when 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 does it become iced wine? Explain how the whole ice process. When you well, pick from it, the, the ice wine standpoint from Niagara, uh, we actually let the grapes um, freeze on the vine through the winter. Um, they're they're protected with some netting, and then when the temperature drops to the minus seven on a regular basis, we have volunteers come out in the middle of the night and pick the grapes by hand because they're so delicate off the vine so that they remain frozen. Even the sunlight would warm it up too much, which is why we, we harvest meat at night. And it's the grapes are put into the press frozen. And what you end up getting is you're getting more of a flush than uh, than you know a run of, uh, of of pure liquid. I think it's amazing. I would love to come and volunteer. And when, when are we doing this in December? Uh, it usually occurs late December, early mid January, and you're you're more than welcome to come. Oh it's my, a lot of fun. Oh my god, uh, I'm sure it's amazing. Do it both tourists and uh, the local universities that have winemaking programs. Those students come and volunteer as part of their co-op. Oh my god, it is so cool. Now, I think you told me. Let me get this right. From what I remember from the tour, one grape from ice wine to make ice wine gives one drop of wine. Did I right. get that right? Well, an unusual, you're absolutely. So usually a, a usual table wine grape, when you squeeze it, would get a run of about 15 drops. And then you would, you would extrapolate that to how much is in a 750 ml bottle. With ice wine, it is so super heavily concentrated being left on the vine that when you press, you get one drop of gold per grape. It's one of the reasons it's more expensive. It's also one of the reasons you get that big flavor profile uh, in each sip of ice wine. Guys, it is amazing, amazing. Search your local liquor store. Royal Wine, I believe, brings it into the United States for you? Correct. Yes, correct. Both a white version and a red version. A Cabernet Sauvignon ice wine, very rare. And a Vidal uh, white grape ice wine, I which is our traditional one. I did not have the red one. I don't think I've, I even knew it was red, that you had a red ice wine. We do. We usually don't provide that at tasting simply based on the price per bottle. Oh, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. But, oh, that is fascinating. Is What does it taste like? Is it dry or is it sweeter? Oh, no. It's, it's, it's actually got more um, residual sugar, the red, but I find the white to taste sweeter. Yeah. And I think the reason is the white to me tastes like, if I was to put it into one word, more like a liquid honey, like like a like a honey wine almost. And the mm. red is more like drinking frozen raspberries. Oh, that's cool. I like that. It's super cool. And you, and you drink them chilled. And you have a new wine coming out? We have a few new wines coming out. Um, we're working on, uh, na- uh, on updating Nava. Nava, it was our first uh, shot at Mavushal, and it uh, flew off the shelves. People really seem to enjoy Yay. the fruit forwardness of Nava. I, I, I think you took a bottle home that got uh, yes, all the yellow joy over Yes, I'm going to – it's chilling in my fridge. We're going to drink it Friday night. I think you'll really enjoy it. So we're updating that a little bit. We're going to change the blend slightly, not enough for the, uh, the mass consumer to be able to notice, but just some refinement. Uh, and then we're also giving it a red partner. Same profile, light, sweet, easy drinking. Um, okay, so I like that. That'll be out this year sometime. Don't know when just yet. Okay. And we're also working on a, a really high-end uh, Cabernet Sauvignon table wine, but one that's Mavushal so that it can be used at Simchas and, and more accessible. And so more accessible. Uh-huh. How do yeah, you decide yeah. what ends up getting Mavushal and what doesn't? Um, so to be honest, we're trying to move to a little bit more Mavushal for our mass market product. My wife likes to say um, this was a fun hobby, but you have tuition to pay for now. So ah. let's uh, let's start to get to some of the bigger volumes, and the bigger volumes in the in the wine world happen to be Mavushal. But I'm such a I'm such a snob, and I say that in a good way that I want to make sure that my Mavushal wines have the same quality standard as our non-Mavushal. I almost want people to not be able to tell the difference. Right. Okay. That's a good thing, right? I, I believe so. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Now, do you do do you offering offer tastings? If you know to come out to the winery, if people want to come up, they're going. You know, people head up to Canada this time of the year. I mean, after Yontif, 
for the fall and the winter season and they're passing through, do you do you book a tour at book a tasting? How does all that work? So as you saw, it's a beautiful place to visit. There's yes. lots to do up there from the winery side, the brewery side, the whiskey-making side. So you're not far from Niagara Falls and the town of Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is quaint village. Um, we provide tours for groups of usually 10 or more because we come out from Toronto to facilitate the tour and, and give the proper kosher tours. Um, all one would need to do is look us up on Facebook or Instagram uh, under Safona Sellers, or they can always email me directly at toby at safona.com, T-O-B-Y. Yeah, I was going to say, tell them and, how to spell your name. <laughs> yeah, T-O-B-Y at safona.com, same way it's written on the wine label, and uh, I'm happy to uh, help facilitate uh, any tours. And uh, food can uh, be arranged for, brought up from Toronto. As you said earlier on, we've got lots of options in Toronto that I'm happy to help uh, put people in connection with. Absolutely. We've done and- everything from five people with a cheese platter to 100 people sit down meal uh, with a caterer on site preparing the food so oh, lots of options fantastic you know that the whole region is beautiful and we were so lucky to have such a gorgeous day but you know there's niagara falls 20 minutes away there's a town called niagara on the lake is that Correct. where we went that is a, the most beautiful quaint town um and there's a theater there this you can go to the theater and also, you know, go to Safona Wines and have a wine tasting. It's part of a, like a two, three-day trip you could do just for that region alone. Absolutely. So, you know me, I'm always talking about travel, guys. So this is definitely put this high on your bucket list. And number one, I know it's Friday morning, Rosh Hashanah's Sunday night. Head to your liquor stores. This is really an outstanding wine. You know, I usually have Gabriel Geller in and he brings a selection of wines, which we did last week, and stuff, different wines to try. But after being at the winery, and, and I've had your wines before, but getting to know the winery makes such a nice connection. And just the wines were fabulous. I had more than just one or two sips of, uh, um, uh, of the wines. I got a really nice tasting, and I really just want to really want, recommend the Safona wines for your I this, appreciate for this I coming you Tishrei. really like the Riesling. Oh, the Riesling was magnificent. Lemon lime profile, yeah, that's, oh, that's, a, that's a fantastic wine. It was you do Riesling really well in the Niagara Peninsula, so you're tasting one of the best Rieslings in the world easily. And the fact that it's kosher uh, is, just makes it even more special. Can you just tell them what you told me about the little pocket of, you know, to the left is the Niagara and to the right is that, and we have this perfectly land that's perfect for growing. Yeah, so, I mean, we're very one of the reasons I wanted to start a kosher winery at all was because we have such a, a special wine-growing region in southwestern Ontario called uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake, the Niagara Peninsula, and it's sandwiched basically between um, the escarpment, the Niagara escarpment, and Lake Ontario, and it creates this eco-climate, this pocket of beautiful weather when even there's inclement weather in other areas around, we're, we're in this protected little um, pocket, to, to, to repeat myself, that yeah. provides the region with this right. wonderful uh, terroir and and weather, creating some of the, the best wines, uh, I think, in the world. Yeah, I wanted to circle back to that because I just thought that was just amazing and, and it was yeah, really cool. very, very, very special. We got some beautiful photos. We were eating grapes off the vine. We had this, yeah. I don't know, which ones did we try? A Moscato grape, which tastes like Moscato wine and, and yeah. Vidal, and it yeah. was. We did a hardcore snacky video with our Esther Klein, so it was it was really. We did. We did. Our harvest next year is gonna be a lot lighter. You guys ate a lot of grapes. Uh, I'm sorry, we ate the profit. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Thanks so much, Toby, for coming on. Shanatova to you and your family. Shanatova to you. Thank you so much for having me and for visiting. My my pleasure, and we look forward to many more lachaims together. We've got the wine shows coming up and all kinds of fun things going on in the food food. Are you coming down to Kosher Fest? Um, I'm thinking about doing Kosher Fest this year. We haven't done it before. It's, um, but, it's the place uh, to be. KFWE is always uh, marked on my calendar oh, many months ahead. Yes, uh, I'd yes. love to know more about uh, Kosher Fest um, and participating. All right, you'll give me a call afterwards. I think it's really cool to be there. I'm just Absolutely. saying. <laughs> and, and when we're there for KFWE, hopefully we can uh, go for a little time together. It sounds like a plan. It's my Our daughter family. bought mitzvah around the same time. We're going to have to figure all that out. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, thanks so much, Toby. And uh, Shabbat Shalom, we'll be in touch. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks so much for having me. That was Toby Bekel from...
Toronto. What what a city. I was so lucky to be there in such beautiful weather. I've actually only been to Toronto in this in the not winter. I've been there in the in the fall. I've done the summer times and and I've done the um fall, summer and spring, but I've never done the winter. I can happily say thank God because I'm not I don't love the cold, but I have done Montreal a lot in the winter and Montreal is a beautiful city also. Um okay. Moving right along, this is the Toronto show, guys. We've got to remember, this is the Canada show. So on the line, I have Gay Shepherd. We're going to put Gay on the phone. Um, she is the she and her daughter. Well, I'm going to tell you too much. I'm going to let Gay explain it. Um, have a the Tubies Honey Company in a tube. Do you guys see on the screen? We are got our YouTube channel up. Um, Nachum Siegel Net. Um, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Hello. Hello. Hi, Hello. Gay. How are you? How are you? <laughs> there you go. How- I'm really good. How are you? Good, good. Oh, my God, Gay, how fast did this year go when we when we took in a uh, year ago? Really fast. <laughs> I can't believe it. It has gone by really, really fast. Actually. I've been following you as much as I can, and I know you pop up on my Instagram all the time. We met through Gourmet Glut, <laughs> and here we are. Yes, we did. Gay was a very big supporter. Um, when I did my book launch last year, she gave everybody a tube of her honey. I discovered her honey inside of Gourmet Glut. Actually, I think Shlomi Klein from Flashix Magazine at the time, Joy of Kosher Magazine, um, told Gourmet Glut to make sure they stock these. I'm always looking for something different for Rosh Hashanah. I did a honey tasting at my table and I got all, if you're looking at the tubes in front of me, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have eight of the different honey tubes in front of me because I can't have you in the studio. So they said, at least I'm going to bring in the honeys. And then I was oh, in touch. I was in touch with you directly and a new friendship was born and you bought me a beautiful book about your uh, hometown. Mm-hmm, our province of Saskatchewan, yes. Can you guys say Saskatchewan? I learned how to say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Saskatchewan? I still can't say it, right? I know. It's a hard one. It's, it's a hard it's a, one. It's, it's, we it's, just say SK. It's all good. Um, yeah. So um, thank you for the for uh, coming on this morning. I know that Gay had to move oh, some pleasure. some meetings around today. Okay, to be here on the phone with me. Um, talk to me about how you started this honey company. Okay. Well, our company actually started back in 2007. It's when our products first hit the shelves. But the history of the company is that I had a daughter, my oldest one, Nicole, was very interested in horses. So she decided that she needed to get a really good job when she was 11 years old and because uh, she wanted to buy herself a horse. That's and so cool. That I told her that she needed a good idea. So she actually came up with a good idea by accident because she was coming through the kitchen and I was struggling with the honey containers. And she just said... Mom, how come nobody puts honey into tubes like toothpaste tubes so you can just squish it out? So that's kind of where the beginning of Tubies started was just researching that to see if it was available. And we started the business so she could make money, so she could buy a horse and be able to like afford to care for it and feed it and those kind of things. Did she do it? Did and she- actually, she did. She did get her horse. And then she also started working um, at a racetrack as cleaning stalls, then she moved into being a groom, and this year she was an apprentice jockey, the only female here in Saskatoon, and she managed to pull in seven wins this year. So That's amazing. How old is passion. she? She is, oh, Naomi, you're going to get me on this one. You're asking me my children's age. Uh-huh, I'm the She's same way. 25 in December. Amazing. I did not meet her. I believe I met your sister. Did your sister come with you? Or Correct. a friend? That was my sister that, was that came sister. with me. Yeah. To the book launch. It's absolutely. She's, she's done wonderful. Like, I mean, she has followed her passion. And, you know, our company is actually an example of dreams really can come true. You know, follow your dreams. Don't be scared. Just do what you need to do and go see what happens. I love that. I love telling women to follow their dreams. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely oh, following mine sure. by doing what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I really enjoy marketing the product for the kids because they were so young. Like, they were... My daughter was 12 when she started, and, of course, she took her sibling on because she needed help with, you know, packaging the product and those kind of things. So she's also the partner in the business. So I do the marketing. The kids do a lot of the background work where, you know, doing labeling of the product or any social media stuff that I need to push onto them or sampling and those kind of things. So 
but all of us hold down full-time jobs and we kind of do this on the side and but I'm happy with where it's going because it's growing bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm really happy to have our product like being gourmet glad because now it's two locations this year instead of one. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, which, which, other, like, which other gourmet glad? Which gourmet glad are you in? Cedarhurst and, and and Woodmere. Okay, the Woodmere's one. You know where you've been to my place. It's like a few minutes from my yeah, house. Yeah, exactly. One, so one's one minute away. One's five them. minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> close together <laughs> yeah yeah I have I have my choices um it's, it's mm-hmm. so I love the uniqueness about the um about being in the tube where, where do you uh, I don't want to say bottle it but I don't know what stuff it fill it fill it there's a better word where do you fill it we actually have an apiary that does all of our packaging for us now okay. when we did start off we were actually in a 49 square foot facility myself and my two daughters because we did everything from creaming to the filling to the ceiling to the labeling, so that was our test market. But it started to get a little bit too big, so we brought in um, a couple of different people to try out. We had a different packer at one time. Unfortunately, he got sick but pointed us in the direction of our present packer. And it's a beautiful relationship because he can do anything that we ask of him. But he's OU kosher certified. It's a gluten-free facility. So our products are gluten-free, nut-free, dairy-free, and OU kosher. What What made you decide to get that OU certification? Because you're you're in the middle, like you're in Western Canada, like you know, I don't know how many Jewish communities are around your area. I've always believed if you can be better, then you should do those kind of things. We're in a position where we have an all-natural products. So we have no artificial flavoring in any of our products. It's as pure as it can possibly be. And if we can be able to service a market where there's not as many choices, then we should try our best to be able to service those markets. And that's our our mind frame about that. Because you have plain honey from one end of the continent to the other. Yep. But there's never really been a huge selection of anything. Right. And a lot of the products out there... They don't care if it's artificial flavoring or natural flavoring. I feel that if you're going to have a natural product, do the most that you possibly can with it and get it wherever it needs to be. Right, right. We, 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 I mean, I have in front of me all of, all of the different flavors. <laughs> Everything has a, um, a label um, saying what, what's inside of it, like um, uh, ingredients. This is honey, natural maple, and then natural maple flavoring. So here I have... Mm-hmm. I'm holding it up to the camera so that those who are watching it besides listening. Guys, remember we're on uh, podcast and on iTunes. We've got our um, Nachum Siegel Net on YouTube and, of course, our Nachum Siegel Network app and our website. Um, so I'm holding it up so people can see. I love that you spell flavor like how I grew up spelling it with a U because it's Canadian. <laughs> but the OU is we very are 100% prominent. Canadian. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, that we are. Um, there, there we have the, oh, so we have maple. Okay. And I'm going to read the back of the, you know, I need glasses. I'm going to read the back of the, what is this one? The creamed honey. Okay. <laughs> CK's handing me a magnifying glass. You're very funny. No, no, no. I refuse. <laughs> Ingredients, honey, plain. What's the difference between cream honey and regular honey? The difference with creamed honey is the process uh-huh. because it is, the molecular structure has been changed of the honey when you cream it. Liquid, liquid honey will crystallize over time, whereas creamed honey will not crystallize. It can become granular if it sits for too long. And that is what they use actually to mix with liquid honey to cream honey. It's mm-hmm. always like a, a form of crystallized honey that get, gets mixed in with the liquid, liquid honey, and it's a blending process. Then when they cool the honey, it turns into creamed honey. And oh, the molecular so structure will never change. But if you've ever taken some cream honey and melted it down to a liquid form, yeah, you'll notice that it's more sugary uh-huh. over time and quickly. That's why. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. the molecular structure has changed with the honey. Quick question, Sina, before we go back to the different flavors. Did you have bees? Did you have an apiary in your house or in your backyard? No, we have never, we've never had bees. Um, we bought our product in the very beginning from an apiary just outside of our hometown in the beginning, outside of Warman. And now with the packer that we use, he has his own apiary 
as well as like his own different hives. But he also packages for a lot of the different apiaries in Saskatchewan. Uh-huh. So we claim those barrels of honey. We service a lot of different places where it's a requirement that we have Saskatchewan honey in our product. Oh, cool. So we use as much as we possibly can from Saskatchewan. And so far we've been lucky because we haven't been um, to the point where we have to buy from any other location. We've had enough product coming from our home province okay. that we can use for our products. Okay, no, no, that's that, that's great. My, my, actually, my friend's son has a apiary in his backyard. Apiary is where the beehives are. Mm-hmm. And there he, are a lot of people that are urban bee beekeepers. Yeah, I and was. That's a good he, thing. He's like twelve or thirteen. No, now he's thirteen. I think he just had his bar mitzvah, and and he gave me a whole. I don't know if people saw it on my Instagram, but he gave me a whole honey bee tour. I was petrified, um, but it was really cool. <laughs> it was really cool. He explained from start to finish, and then he gave me a jar, which I'm saving for Rosh Hashanah. And he said at the beginning oh, of the good. season, the honey was light, and at the end of the season, the honey was dark. That's right. So, um, yeah, but besides his honey, I'm having all of these eight flavors on my on my table in front of me. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's good. So I'm I have, glad that you enjoy the flavors. I they love them. something for everybody. Guys, I love these flavors. I'm telling you, put this on your table. Buy all the different flavors. And pass them around. Like you do this whole ceremony. You could, I mean, it's you make up the ceremony, right? But like we do these apples and honey and we do apples and challah and we do all the different um, foods, that, the symbolic foods um, on Rosh Hashanah. But I did a honey tasting last year. I, I bought all the Tubi's honeys and we passed around and everyone said what, which one they like. Um, here's the coconut. That's definitely a favorite of mine. Um, and inside here it says, oh, it's in French. Ha, ah, because you're Canadian. Um, ingredients, honey, and natural flavoring, coconut. And this one is, and we've got here, lemon. We've got lemon flavoring. We've got cinnamon. That's my daughter's favorite. It's literally honey and cinnamon. Um, this one is natural. And natu- it is amazing on apples. Ah, oh, yeah, makes sense, right? That, that really mm-hmm. goes well together. Um, here is raspberry, another favorite of mine. Um Pumpkin spice, very Thanksgiving, very, very Thanksgiving. And black cherry. Is that new one? No. I must have not no, have seen not that. it's not a new one. Okay. So uh, do you have any new fla- – did I get all the flavors? Have we got something new coming out or the, one of these? The new I ones? believe you, you have, have black all. cherry, raspberry, lemon, maple, she's coconut. Ca- she's counting them off probably on a finger. Pumpkin spice. It's hard for me to remember everything that I sent out to Gourmet Glass, too. I don't know if they ended up with ginger or not. So oh, I'm not no, sure this, I didn't see shelf, ginger. I didn't, too. I didn't know if I saw it. I'm just going to open one up. Whoops, I banged the microphone. Um, I'm going to open one up. I just want to show everyone. It, it literally comes like toothpaste with a silver thing on top. This is one show that ZK and I are doing that has no food involved. We're like, it's like, who's coming on the show? I'm like, they're all from Canada. I'm like, he's like, Bob, And they're all coming for food. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is okay. He can have some honey. <laughs> so here, I'm, I'm, I'm squeezing it out. <laughs> I'm putting it onto my finger. It's so cool. Now, um, I heard once, my husband once told me he took a class from the rabbi, and they said, honey is a food. And he came back home and he told me, you know what the rabbi said? That honey is a food that can never spoil. Is that true? Correct. Because if it gets... That is absolutely true. So you just dissolve it in water or something if something happens. I don't know if it gets crystallized. You can you can actually use plain, plain honey as long as it's pure plain honey. Mm. You can use it on cuts, burns. I have oh, really? some people that actually buy our lemon honey and use it as a facial. Well, I've got the lemon in my hand right now and I just ate it. <laughs> I squeezed on something. Oh, finger. I know. It's but really they, they use it as a facial because it's lemon essential oil that we use for the flavoring in the lemon honey. So, okay, you want to try. so they, they use that as a facial. Really? You can mix honey with, with oatmeal and just a little bit of water to it just to kind of make a paste. And you can put an oatmeal paste on your face. Yeah, and it purifies your face. It okay. cleans your pores. I'm writing that down. Say that one more time. Which honey do I use? If you were going to use like an oatmeal paste, then you would use a, a plain honey. Plain honey? With with just oatmeal, and regular oat- quick oats type of oatmeal. Guys, do not... And do- you mix it up into a paste and you can apply it to your face. Just 
leave it for maybe five minutes and then wash it off with warm water. I love that. I'm like, love being organic mm-hmm. and healthy. Guys, don't do this outside though, because then you'll get bees and flies on you. <laughs> do it inside. <laughs> Definitely the bees have done their job already. Thank you, bees. So <laughs> this is well, and we actually work with a, a dog rescue here in Saskatchewan, where they bring dogs in that are wounded or burnt or abused, those types oh. of things. And we actually, I love them, but they're great because they are now our pet charity that we work with. Literally, our pet charity. I love that. But cute, very cute. We supply them with liquid honey. To use on the dogs that have wounds and burns because it's a natural healer for the dogs oh. as well as for humans. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I was. I think Nachum told me this. Nachum is the. It, this is the Nachum Siegel Network, and Nachum told me this. <laughs> we used. To, I, used okay. to, I used to live here on in the neighborhood that the studio is in. Nachum also lives here, so I remember oh. I had a sore throat. I want to say. I, I lived here. 16 years ago so it was probably 20 years ago I had a really raspy voice and um he came like we were talking um outside he probably doesn't even remember this we were talking outside the playgrounds we have kids around the same age and he goes your horse you need to take sips of water and honey honey Mm -hmm. is a natural healer for the throat you know they always say have tea and honey there's a reason why they say it. It's literally, and my kids will like put honey in hot water and gargle it when they're feeling sick. Like it's just one of those things that are just super healthy for you as well. And someone also tell about the allergies, right? Like you should ha- eat your local honey because the bee pollen from the environment and you eat it helps protect you against seasonal allergies. Is that like a thing, right? Someone told me that. It, it is actually a thing because especially with people that have allergies um, as well as they say people with asthma and those kind of things or anybody that is affected by grass or pollen or flowers or even here in Saskatchewan, some people can't handle the wheat fields. So if you actually eat the honey from your own region, it actually works as a form of an antibiotic, I guess, a natural type of antibiotic. It helps you build up an immune system because you're addressing, you're, you're giving your body just little antibodies, antibodies, what you're, what you're exposing yourself to, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of like a natural flu shot, right? Oh gosh, I have to get my flu shot. You just reminded me. Everybody, go get a flu <laughs> shot. I never used to do it, and now I feel like now, I, if when I do it, I feel protected. I've never had one in my life. Yeah, I, I, I want to say I did it the last five, six years. I, I, I did it, and um. Mm-hmm. Poo, poo, poo. But you travel a lot. Too. I travel so a lot. It's probably I, good that you do. Yeah, I, I get, yeah. You should know, I was, I was in Japan a couple, when was it, a month ago, a month and a half ago, and they're like really clean people, and they are like very into germophobes. I don't like to use that word because it sounds like negative, but they're very c- concerned about germs. They walk around with masks in a lot of public mm-hmm. places because they are so afraid of germs, so. Well, and they have a very huge population, so I would probably be concerned right. with germs too. Right, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. They're very clean people. They don't put the cutlery on the table. The cutlery has a little rest. Like, you know, like chopsticks mm-hmm. have a rest when you go to a Chinese restaurant. They they put the chopsticks on the table on on, on, yeah. on, on a rest. Well, they do that with, with Western cutlery as well because they feel like that, you know, with that, they didn't want to give us the germs from the table also. So we had chopsticks on a, <laughs> on a stand and our cutlery on a stand was very, very sweet. Very dignified people. Very dignified. I have a sister-in-law that's actually from Japan, so oh. I understand their culture pretty good. Yeah, it was it was an unbelievable trip, unbelievable. Okay, so you'll definitely have to come to Saskatchewan I sometime, know. Naomi. So I, I know. can take I, you around. What's the best time of the year for me to come? Not winter. Not winter. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to come in the spring. I think that'll be cool. The spring or the fall? The fall is really beautiful too because oh. we have a lot of beautiful colors here. I could come in. Oh, we could come for Sukkot. <laughs> I can't come like next week, <laughs> two weeks. What time is it now? <laughs> right, exactly. Are you? Are you? Have you got a time difference with us? Uh, we do two hours. Oh, you're two, two hours, hours behind. Okay, interesting. Okay, so you're not. Yeah, your life is way ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. It's already. It's already <laughs> well, my mother's in Australia. She's already having tomorrow. Oh, well, see, there you go. There you You're go. used to this. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. All right, Gay, thanks so much for joining us. I'm very excited oh, about my honey collection. Me. I'm going to be having They are available at Gourmet Glut. Um, where else? 
local kosher supermarkets across the United States? There is the Cedar Market in Teaneck. Teaneck, yeah, you got it. Spicy Peach in Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia, love them there, been there. We did a show from there. Yeah, well, they carry our product too. I think this is probably their fourth year, maybe, of carrying our product. Completely not surprised. Very unique things. There's an online store that carries our product as well, and that's the Candy Store Online, and they're out of Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, great. Terrific. And, of course, ours, tubieshoney.com. Okay. And if people need any information, by all means, contact us because we'll be more than happy to give them information. They can follow us on Instagram. We're there. We're also on Facebook. Fantastic. Or you can, if you need more info, you can always call me because, you know, I'll rave about them. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, just talk to Naomi. She knows. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Gabe. Definitely. Best to the family. And Thank I'm going to get out Thank to you, you one of these days soon. And meanwhile, I've got your honey. I hope that you have like a wonderful holiday too. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoy your Rosh Hashanah. Thank you. And definitely, please do come to Saskatchewan and let me treat you to our province. You'll love it. Okay, I love it. I love it. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. All right, that was so cool to have Gay on the show. Um, You know, she's such a lovely person. And it's so nice, all the people that I'm – I'm always so grateful, all the guests and people that I've met through the food world, Um, especially someone right now who's on the phone. Everyone's been on the phone today because it's Air of Rosh Hashanah and I couldn't get them from Toronto into the hot seat. But I just, I loved hanging out with them and I'm like, you guys have got to be on my show. And all the way from Thornhill, Toronto is Amy Stupnicki. Hello, Amy. Hello, how are you? Good, my love. I miss you. I know. I miss you too. It's been so quiet since you left. Uh, I know. I'm like noisy there, hey? Um, I love it. I love it. Thank you. So Amy is a cookbook author of Kosher Taste. Um, she's a, uh, I was going to say, a, a party planner, an event planner. She's got tons of things going on in the food network and the food in the food business. Um, I always say that we, we when we connected, like we, we met each other through my radio show, I think, because I was sent your book. And then we spent a bit of time together here and there. But we really connected when I, 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 I stayed with you on this trip and we had a blast. You schlepped me around. You introduced your family to me, and everyone is so divine. Um, so really, I, I miss you guys. How was Daniela's party? It was beautiful. It was, it was beyond actually, and it was so. It was really nice. It was a really nice Toronto food event. Good. You probably don't have yeah. so many there. No, we really don't. We, you know, we're a little. It's a little bit. It's. It's a little bit downplayed, and it was nice to have, like, a big fun thing for everyone to go to. You could just see people really enjoying themselves. Okay. That's... Which was a really, really nice. And right, and celebrating Daniela for her book. We'll have her on the show. And we both know what it's like when a book comes out, you know, how exciting it is. So, so exciting. We're thrilled for her. We'll have her on the show. So, Amy, what's going on with your yont of cooking? What's your ho- where are you holding? Okay, so <laughs> it's so funny. Um, it's still a lot in my head. There's a lot in my head. There's a lot in your and head. I have, yeah, I have a few things written down, but most of it's in my head and I need to get on it. Right. Well, remember, they are, everyone is listening to this the Friday before Rosh Hashanah. Oh, so right. okay. share, share with so, us what's in your head that okay. you will be making or will have already made by the time this actually goes to air. Fine. Okay. I'll tell you what I love to do for Yansif. I we all, We were talking about this when you were here. Everyone... The whole, the whole food community, everyone's into all these beautiful boards. And we love to have um, a Rosh Hashanah Seder every night. So I love to do a big Rosh Hashanah board, bring it out, and we do that for our Seder. So I'm kind of like I've been collecting, you know, different fruits and, and different Shekhyanus. So that's very exciting for me okay, to yeah. do that, have the family around and, and whatever. And I like to do a traditional brisket, but I like to do it with a sweet sauce for the sweet year. Okay. New year. What kind of what's so, in your sauce? What's I don't do. I actually yeah. So this year, what I'm going to be doing, I actually created this recipe for um, a couple of years ago when Ezra Mission did a shuk. They brought the shuk to. I don't know if you know, but they, they they brought the shuk to Toronto. It was a big event. They've done it every year since. And I always do something for them, and this was a recipe with uh, a brisket with dried mangoes and um, preserves made with wine, like a wine preserve. Wow. And it's delicious. Um, Can we get that recipe? Can we get that? How how do we find that? Is it in your book? No, no, it's not. I only made it to. No, it's not. It's in your head. (laughs) 
it's, no, I have it written down. I mean, it's, I found like it's in a few places, but not in my book. And I will for sure send it to you um, because it is a great, great, great recipe. Um, and I like it because it's sweet, but it's I use like the natural. It's natural sugar. I use the mango without any added sugar and the preserves without any added sugar. So you get really, really, really wholesome flavor. Mm, that sounds amazing. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. All right. What else is on your Rosh Hashanah Seder? What else do you serve? What, what else do I serve? You know, I'm, I'm going to do, my husband is an old traditionalist. <laughs> so he always likes me to do a simis, which is really? like, to me, it's, yeah, it's so grandmothery. You know, right. So my grandmothers used to make timbers, but you could, you could. I'm, I'm sure you, you know, make uh, it I funky. I, I, I change it up a little bit. Always, always. You know, make it a little bit more interesting. And what they've liked in the past is sometimes I add beets to it, and I also add cranberries to it, dried cranberries. So, you know, it makes it like a little bit. And then cinnamon and honey. And we're all about like, okay, once a year we just kind of keep it a little. I mean, it's traditional with a twist, but we like to keep it a little traditional because we want a sweet year. We really do. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, like we, we, we really do. So I also do a wild rice salad that I do sweet. Um, you know, I add some dried fruit and the wild rice and I do a nice kind of honey drizzle on top of it. We're very into the sweet thing. And then I do like a savory salad and a savory vegetable. Right. You need that balance. balance Sweet and salt. Exactly. 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 Yeah. I also do a lot of things with the different sweets, sweets and simanims and stuff. Right. We love to do that. We're also not a family that loves honey cake, but. We are crazy for honey cookies. Oh, I, honey cookies. Is that in your book? <laughs> it's in Gathered Around the Table. Oh, it's in, it's in, that's the Gatherings yes, Cook, the, the book second book. That I, yes, that's my, that was the first one that I edited. And this, it's a great, uh, because I don't like honey and we don't love honey cake, I thought that the honey cookies were going to be gross. When we tasted them and we had all our testers do it, they went crazy for them. And the name of the recipe in the book, is you got to try these honey cookies because they are beyond. I actually I don't have that them. book. You, you, oh, you don't? Okay, so I'll oh, have to get... I was going to give you one. I said I'll pass. Oh. I said I'd give it, I have at my house. Okay. All right. I'll have to come back. Or you'll come yeah, to New York. Maybe if I can remember to bring it when I come to New York. But anyways, I'm going to post the recipe for honey cookies next week because literally as I make them, they get eaten. I, I can't explain to you really? how good these cookies are. You know what I make also? Um, Tell me. Miriam Pascal and is in her in her book, um, her dessert cookbook. Yes. She has pomegranate cupcakes. Oh, I make those delicious. every year. My Leora makes them. We like love them. It's amazing. It's got pink oh. icing and the sesame seeds on top. In fact, I, and I love the icing. I, I like I cut the bottom off and I eat like a little bit of the cake and the icing yeah. on top with the the sesame seeds. Delicious. Oh, and it must be so pretty. Is it a stunning color? It's really, it's really pink. Yeah, it's beautiful. And we're an all girls' house, so you know. <laughs> I love, I love pink. that. Like the colors are just, you know, the oranges and the pomegranate pink. Like it's so pretty. Right. Well, this is a great season. This time of the year is amazing. Uh-huh. You know, you go to the farmers market and everything is glowing with color, and the candy cane I beets know. and the bright orange carrots. Like <laughs> it's amazing. Green it literally zucchini makes me happy and, for days. Oh, I, I love going to the farmer's market. We have one 10 minutes away from the studio. If only I had time today to go and run in and grab some veggies. But, like, it's really beautiful what they have going on. And I, I, I just, I know. you know. We're so lucky that we have all these things available to us, you know. Okay, let's because... talk about Yontif Prep, you know. Okay, and, let's and, talk about Yontif Prep, Because sure. I think that's really important, you know. You know, I mean, it's quite close to Rosh Hashanah at this point. But, you know, like... You know, you're, you're cooking on Yontif. You've got to go to shul. You know, you get frazzled. Give us some prep on how to prep in the morning that our food is not dried out when we go to shul. Or, you know, we've got Yom Kippur and, you know, not too much food on Yom Kippur before and Although after. We end up talking about the food before Yontif and the food after Yontif. Right, exactly. Some, and and we have Sukkot. So just, you know, help us get around all this overwhelming right. food, food so, comas that we far, have. Uh, I'll tell you what I like to do. As far as the, as the lead up to Yantif, I like to make sure that I have 
Um, you know, I've, I've cooked things in order of how early they can be made, which, you know, most of our food's made by now. And then what I like to do is I like to have all my, you know, my whatever salads or fresh things I'm making, all my ingredients cut and ready to go before Yantif so that I come home from shul. I don't want to not go to shul. It's Rosh Hashanah. I want to come home, and I'm, if I'm going to make my beet and endive salad, I want my beets to be cut. I want my endives to be cut. I want my dressing to be in a jar so it takes two minutes to assemble. And honestly, it doesn't take so long to make the salad to begin with. It's just a matter of having that five, seven minutes before Yantif so that you can do it and you come home. You have your, you know, your, your bowls ready on the counter, your serving platters ready on the counter. Mix it up, ready to go. Right. I, I try I like to make a lot of dressings and label everything. Like, what was in too, here? And keep it in, what in was in this? Of... What were you going to say? I said, like, no, to label it because you never know what's inside. Always. 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 The other, I also have a great tip for a fresh salad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, someone gave me this this idea, and I think it's brilliant. Um, when you're making your dressing and you're ready to serve it, put the dressing. You can actually make the dressing, if you have a whisk, in the bottom of the bowl that you're going to serve the salad in. Then you just cover the bowl so the dressing is covered. When you come home, you take all your all your greens and whatever, you know, whatever you're going to make and put in your salad. Your dressing is already at the bottom of the bowl, and you just give it a mix. You just give it a toss. And your salad's ready to go. But if you need more, then you can just add a little bit more because, you know, you taste yeah, the lettuce to make sure it's right balance. add a little bit more. And if it, I'm talking, this is like, you know, when you, when you have a, a dressing, you can, you know, you eyeball it, let's say, right? You, you kind of know how much dressing, and some people like it a little lighter and some people like it a little heavier, but your dressing's already done for you, ready in the bottom of the bowl. I thought that was really smart. Yeah, that's very clever. You need to have these little tricks up your sleeve to get you through this season. The other thing I like to do is I like to take my food out of the fridge in the morning so that it's room temperature. So that right when I get home oh, yeah. from, it's the right when I get home from shul, I can I can warm it, but the, it's it's like that cold fridge edge has been taken off, and it's a faster heating process. Unless you get the Vicron, we had we had Nick um, on the show last week. Um, right, and what is that? It is the buffet. Did you see? I don't know if you saw my Instagram story with oh, it. I saw. Buffet oh, warmer. Everybody's oh, got to get one of those because oh, you can put it in. Oh, my gosh. I saw it on your story. That is That looks brilliant. Brilliant, right? Yeah, I'm talking about like, you know, a plain old oven here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, yeah. you can cook on Yontif, so that makes it a little easier. I try. Absolutely. I try with Rosh Hashanah. Like, it's very hard. Like, you can't cook till after Lich Benching time, Mariv, you know, for a second day, right? right? You have to wait for Shkia, right? So, yeah. you know, then you're quickly throwing something together if you're throwing it in the oven. or it's, So you've got to be a little bit organized of what can be cooked, what you're cooking on your own. And then I don't want to throw something into the oven like for a few hours, right, no. which can cook. And then you're stressed in shul. Is it going to burn? Is it going to dry out? Did I cover it properly? Is it going to have a hole? And then things will evaporate. Like I used to get stressed. I really try not to... Like Rosh Hashanah is definitely a hard one, you know. Sukkot, I, I don't so much go to shul in the morning. I'm always I'm tired say, from the night when before. We want to be in shul, it's harder. Absolutely, right? it's definitely yeah. harder. So I like the idea of putting things at, at like on Shabbos morning before I got my Vicar. Right. <laughs> the other thing I the other thing I like to do. You have that fancy machine. The other thing I like to do though is if I'm going to serve like a like a soup, a pureed soup or a or a veggie soup or something, I like to leave it in my crock pot. So that while the food is warming, we can come straight home to a a warm soup that's already, like you said, I don't have to think about it all morning. I know it's going to be okay. Amy, I love you know that. I, mean? I love that. That is excellent. Yeah. That is ac- Huh. I never thought of that. I've actually got a fleshic. I mean, everyone has a fleshic um, crock pot, but I happen to have a milkic one because I need it for a catering event. I did like four, five years ago, and I've never used it. But if I'm having a parva milkic meal, I can right, put my soup in the milk yeah. one. I never thought about because, that. My power That's right. And because it's yantif, you don't have to leave it from the night before. You put it in in the morning and you come home and add a little water and your soup is hot. You know what I'm actually nervous? And this is a, a tip about, you know, talking about blechs before and we spoke about it last week about safety when we talked about the Vicron um, buffet. But um, I leave, when I, over yantif, I'll leave my um, crock pot plugged in, but I'll put water, like a third of yes. 
Philip, I do put water in it. I, yeah. I, I just yeah. don't want it sitting empty. And the water will be warm, fine, no big deal, but you can spill it out and then you no, can cook it. you can fill it. it out and reuse it and just, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's, that's um, you know, a really good tip to share with everyone. But I, I like, I, there's no reason why you can't use your crock pot on your top. We forget about that. I know, we you just, really do. You can't hu- make it higher or lower. And here's no, Rebbits and Naomi coming in. <laughs> Yeah. Just leave it longer. You just leave it in the pot longer. Yeah, you do. You just have to be careful with the crock pot because yeah. there's usually they have three settings, warm, low, and high. And if you don't leave it on low and you only leave it on warm, it doesn't get hot enough to avoid bacteria over a certain amount of hours. Okay. So you must, you must leave it on low. I, I, I did that once. My, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the words had been rubbed off. And, right, and I <laughs> left it on warm and I thought my crock pot was broken. So, because the next right. morning my chalant was still raw. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, I the warm threw it out. For, yeah, for us. No. Yeah. So I actually bought myself a new chalant pot and realized what my problem was, what I did to the first one. So now I have two fleshic ones. But I, I make sure I'm, I'm that way. Now I know what's setting the one that was rubbed off as the missing words. Now I know what it is because I compare it to the one that has the. Has uh, this the words on it? Yeah, I should probably take a sharpie or something and write on it. But <laughs> okay, that's great. If you ever make a big kiddish, yeah. right? Uh, which I have done. I had two crockpots going. I made a kiddish right. a few I months ago. I believe it. Um, okay, let's talk about soups because I feel like Sukkot season is coming up. We're not going to have another show before Sukkot. What are we doing in terms of soups? I, you know, I'm crazy for soups, right? Yeah, we. we um, that's why I brought that up because we we discussed yeah. it. <laughs> We talked about it. Okay. And um, I, I love making, like, all kinds of soups. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, re- I'll refresh your memory on a, on a soup that I love to make for Sukkot time, which is, you really could call it leftover soup. But I like to call it soup because it's halfway between a stew and a soup. And what I yeah. do is I take leftover meatballs, leftover brisket. Sometimes I take hot dogs and sausages. I mix it with cabbage and tomato sauce and a little bit of sugar or honey and vinegar and it, I make it like, you know, it's like rich and creamy and you bring it to a boil and you simmer it for hours and it is heaven in a bowl. Oh, I love that. Okay, I just want to, so I take all my leftover food from the last day, from, you know, on the last day of Yontem, I take all my yeah, stuff. Yeah, you cut it up nice, you know. Shred it, almost shred all that meat up. Yeah. I love that. That is bright. You probably couldn't put in some like canned tomatoes. And I do. I, I start with an onion. I literally start with an onion. I add my tomato sauce, my tomato paste, my water, and then I just go crazy. Like oh literally, God. sometimes I put beets in it. Sometimes I put carrots, tomatoes, vegetables, uh, cute, what's it called, uh, cabbage, and it's delicious. Okay, you heard it here first, guys. It's called a stoop, right? Yeah, it's St- called a stoop. Stoop. Is that like a Canadian yeah. stoop? Uh, yeah. It is sounds amazing. That's like right up my alley. I love, love soup, and I love a thick, rich soup. I do my onion flunken soup from Perfect Flavors. I was about to say Perfect for Pesach. Perfect Flavors, which is perfect for Sukkot. Um, it's really easy to make. Grab your copy now. Um, but it's really like you want these thick soups and stews that stick to your bones because – Guys, this year, Sukkot is a little bit on the later side. I was going to say, Sukkot is often really cold. And Especially like where you live. It's beautiful, but it's so nice to have a warm something in front of you. Yeah, I love that. I'm very into my hot soups. And hot tea I afterwards. I always serve hot tea. I always get myself a, um, um, what do you call it, an urn? Not an urn, um, a flask. That's what I'm looking for. With hot water, they bring down to my sukkah. Cause, oh, that's great. Right, it's safe. We also keep, keep food safe. We're transporting. Let's talk about safety. You're transferring hot food from your kitchen to your sukkah. And sometimes you're walking down a flight of stairs or across the room. Be careful. So many people get burnt this time so of the year by not being careful. Burnt. They drop something with a dish. They had all that hard-earned time making the dish or the money that it cost to make the dish. Um, and splats on the floor. So, guys, just really think about these kind of things as we are uh, going into That's the That's a hard... very good point. Right. Sensible. I'm th- yeah. I like to be practical. <laughs> no, you're right. You're 100... No, you're 100% right. So bringing a flask down, down to down the... flight of stairs with and hot... out to the backyard With and a whatever. teapot, you know, like, uh, you got to be careful. Very good point. It's a very, very good point. Amy, where can we buy your book? Your amazing book. It is huge. She has a book filled with amazing recipes and she has a whole chapter on mushrooms. 
<laughs> That's right. So my book is available where all Feldheim books are sold, basically all over the world, on, on Amazon.com. Okay, fantastic. And if you or do Feldheim, or Feldheim.com. And if you do buy her book and you love it, which I know you will, write a review. It really helps. I'm speaking as a a (laughs) co-author. Write an Amazon review. It really helps us. Okay, guys. if you want your book signed, um, message me and I'm happy to meet up with you. Yeah, I actually mailed mine. People ask me for signed copies as gifts, so I'll I'll do that. I'm sure you'll do that too. That's so nice, Naomi. Yeah, I'm sure that you'll do that too. (laughs) Uh, It's been a pleasure. I'll see you very soon at Kosher Fest, Jewish Food Media Conference. We'll be talking about that on the radio right after Yonzef. I want to wish everyone, Amy, thank you to you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And to everyone, Shana Tovah, Ktiva Vachati Matova, to everyone. We'll be catching up with everyone right after Yontif. Dates to be announced. Thank you all so much for listening. We had to start it off with four new shows for season eight. Shana Tovah, Shabbat Shalom.